All right, church. All right, how's everyone doing? Good start to church today, amen? Hallelujah, man. What a good, what a good start to church. God is so good, so faithful. Uh, amen. Pastor Liz is not here today, obviously, because I'm up here doing all the ups and downs, and she's not helping me with transitions. I appreciate you sticking with me as I fumbled through closing out worship and telling about kids' ministry, which she normally does. But uh, Maggie wasn't feeling well, so pray for Maggie. Little Maggie, she just turned five, so pray for her. And then we happen to be moving our oldest daughter, Anna, to Rochester tomorrow. So not only is she watching, you know, Maggie, but we're also packing a few things up uh, as we get ready to move. And Pastor Andy is uh, at a wedding out of town, so... Uh, so we certainly miss them, and, uh, but God is good, isn't he? He is so good. The gifts and talents uh, in this church and the prophetic voices and hearing from God, absolutely amazing. Uh, and I want to share kind of a quick testimony along, that, along those lines before we pray over our tithes and offerings. How many of you have seen the new landscaping coming in? I mean, you can't miss it. I mean, unless you were walking with your eyes closed, and maybe, or, you know, if we need healing of your eyes, we can pray for you. Uh, but in general, that new landscaping, uh, and I know he doesn't want me to do this, but thank you to Randy Ruth uh, for an outstanding job, as he always does. What a blessing it is. Uh, and that's the exciting part. But here's what's more exciting, is someone who is very prophetic uh, was praying about the service, and as they were walking in, and as they saw the landscaping, the word that came to them was a new thing. A new thing. God is doing a new thing at Erie Christian Fellowship Church. And so, amen, hallelujah. And sometimes it takes, you know, some new landscaping, you know, to reveal that to what he's doing in the spiritual realm. Sometimes we get to see that in the physical realm, those things that are going. So, outstanding. Praise the Lord. We love that. Uh, a couple of quick announcements for you. Uh, the first one is, it's not a slide, but there is a new word for you today out there. So you guys can grab that starting here in September, the three-month devotional that we have. Uh, but the real first announcement is there's a worship and prayer night uh, coming up this Wednesday. Everybody say this Wednesday. This Wednesday at 6.30 uh, to go to about 8 o'clock. It's a time of prayer and worship. Uh, just a few songs, but really it's just a time to really be in God's presence, to seek him, to pray, to get on your knees, to walk around. Uh, you don't have to come at 6.30 and stay till 8. You can come at 7, leave at 7. 15, if you want. It's just a time to come and be in his presence and just pray and just minister to him and just hear from the Lord. So we're excited about that. And then just as a reminder, uh, we have a lot of ways that you can connect from a small group perspective. Uh, we've got life groups that meet all through the month in all different locations and different spots. And you probably can't read all that up there, but there is a rack card out in the lobby uh, and actually even think in the bathrooms as well, uh, where you can check out and see some details about getting connected in one of our groups. Because how many of you know doing life together as a family is important? And doing it as a church family is important as well. And coming together and doing that together. So let's just, let me just read the scripture over our tithes and offerings and we'll get into the message. It's out of Deuteronomy 28. I've been doing a little bit of this uh, each week. It's called, this is out of what's really called The Blessing is the title of this chapter. It says, in all these, verse 2, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And it begins to list these blessings out, blessing after blessing after blessing. And I'm going to read the blessing out of verse 11 here today. 
And it says this, And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body and in the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your ground in the land in which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. And to me, that just means as we follow the Lord, as we obey his commands, as we seek him, the blessing of the Lord is upon our lives. And he causes the things that we do and to touch to prosper. Amen? Our businesses to prosper, our families to prosper, all the things that we lay our hands to to prosper because of him, not because of our work, but because of his work and what he's done. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for every gift, every giver. Father, we thank you, Lord, for every bill paid in Jesus' name, both at the church and in everyone's lives and in their families, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are moving and working on our behalf. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that this church will be debt-free in Jesus' name. You are working that debt down, Lord, and there would be freedom in that. We just praise you and honor you. And Father, this message we have this morning, that you would just open our ears to hear it and our eyes to see what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Okay, well, if you're here, uh, most of you guys, uh, there's a few new people today, so I just want to give a, I'll give a quick intro to the series we're doing. Uh, we started a series, actually, a few, few weeks back, maybe a month or so or more back, called Spiritual Disciplines of Abstinence. And uh, we enjoy this one, mostly, but it's very difficult to do. A lot of the things, these spiritual disciplines of abstinence are difficult to do. We like the ones of action. Right? Everyone loves the action ones. Ooh, we get to pray, we get to worship, we get to read the Bible. All these great action things, those are great spiritual disciplines. But there are also, the Bible really calls out these spiritual disciplines of abstinence as well. And we're going to look at one, another one of those here this morning. But what is a spiritual discipline? I have a definition of it this morning. I've been saying it, but I just put it on the screen for you today to make it a little bit easier. A spiritual discipline, it's an activity undertaken to bring us into more effective cooperation with Christ and his kingdom. Think about that for a minute. A spiritual discipline, this goes for all of them, the action ones and the abstinence ones. It's a spiritual, an activity undertaken to bring us into more effective cooperation with Christ and his kingdom. How many of us want to be in more effective cooperation with Christ and his kingdom, right? Yeah, like, yeah, sure, Pastor Jason, like every day, please. Like, I want to be in complete cooperation day in and day out with him. And I'll tell you, all of these spiritual disciplines, I think we joke about the guy that goes to the gym and only bench presses, right? You know the guy who goes to the gym and only bench presses, right? His legs are real thin and skinny, but he just pumps out that, bam, he's just doing his chest after chest after chest, and he slams the weights down, and he's just like, boom, he pumps his chest out, he looks at him, and you're just like, man... But dude, do you work out any other part of your body? Is it just your chest? Is that all you're doing right now? And I think what the Lord is reminding us of is that all of these spiritual disciplines are important. And I don't ever want you to forsake one for another. But we, we have to grow in every one of the spiritual disciplines. Not just the one you like. Not just the one that's easy for you. Like, if, it's, if one of these is super easy for you, like, I'm going to grow in silence and solitude because I'm an introvert and I can do silence and solitude all day long for weeks at a time. Okay, that's great. You should practice that. But what are some of the ones that the Lord is calling you to to go a little deeper in and have a little bit more of a challenge that he's asking you for? I don't have this up, but in 1 Peter 2, it says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts that wage against the soul. 
The flesh literally is waging against our soul, against our spirit man. There's a battle going on every single day in every single person, the flesh versus the spirit. Church, do you know that you're in a battle every day? You're probably, some of you probably, yeah, I know, right? Like every day I'm battling the thoughts in my mind and I'm battling this and battling that and I do things that I don't want to do and I keep doing them even though I don't want to do them. Paul said that. The Apostle Paul said those very words. So we know if, if the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, struggles with this, guess what? <laughs> We're going to have the same challenge. So we have this, this battle that rages with on the inside of us, the flesh versus the spirit. And the Bible says that we must be able to put the spirit man in control of the flesh. And the reason why we're doing these spiritual disciplines of abstinence, because the abstinence, the painfulness of saying, I am not going to do something that I want to do, puts the flesh down. It puts the flesh in its place. And guess what, church? It's hard. No one likes to talk about these. I've never heard a sermon series on these before. I feel like the Lord told me to do them. Guys, I'm not having a blast. Okay? Like, I can't preach them. I have to do them while I'm preaching. And the one I'm talking about today is probably one of the hardest ones for me to do. And some of that's personality. You're like, ah, oh, well, you know, I took the Enneagram and my Myers-Briggs and my this and my that. I get it. So there are certain ones that maybe you're more prone to do or easier to do just from a natural perspective as God designed you. But some of these are hard. Abstinence is hard. Yeah? We know that. I mean, we think about it from a sex perspective, too. Like, yeah, that stinks as a married couple. That's not cool, right? So it's difficult to go do. So these are, none of these things are easy to go do. But here's why we have to do them. The key verse in this entire series that we're doing is out of Psalm 46. Is this. Is be still and know that I am God. We have got to stop the flesh. We have got to stop moving and churning in our fleshly desires. Periodically, we got to come to a stop and say, no, I'm not going to do this even though I want to and I just feel like I need to. There are times when God is calling us. It's time to take a stop on things. Be still and know that I am God. I love the order that that's written in. It's not know that I am God and then go be still. It's be still and know that I am God. And I love this. The rest of it is I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth, verse 11. And the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. When we are still and we know, we begin to see all around us that God is with us, that God is for us. And when we're moving too fast, we miss it. I miss it so many times because I'm moving so fast. All of us, we're moving so fast. It's crazy. Okay, spiritual disciplines. So what are they? I've got a list of them up here. We won't go through them. We've been doing one each week. We have stopping, silence, solitude, slowing, Sabbath, and self-restraint. Next week, uh, Liz and I are out of town, and so Pastor Andy is going to be doing Sabbath. So I encourage you to come out next week for that. But today, I'm doing slowing. Slowing. My entire message from this point forward will be in slow motion. 
All of you be like, please, no, don't do that. One, it's a terrible voice. I get it. I will stop doing it now. However, slowing. Do you know that Jesus was never in a hurry? You can tell, find me a scripture that says Jesus ran. <laughs> Jesus moved very quickly as he was going to breakfast. No, even when he was walking on water, he was what? Walking on water. He wasn't running. Like, okay, how many of you ever jumped into a pool and you try to run really fast? Come on, guys. I'm just telling you, in an in-ground pool or, at, you know, when you're at the park, you run as fast as you can and see how much water you can run on, right? You, run, you get this big, this is maybe just me. You're all looking at me like, Pastor Jason, only you do this, only you. Okay, but we have a pool at our house, and I will run around a little bit in a circle, and then I will run as fast as I can to the deep end and see how many steps I can put on the top of the water before going in. You know how many I get? Like zero, right? <laughs> the very first step is I'm going in. So even running, going fast, isn't going to help you to walk on water. The only reason why Jesus walked on water is because he had faith and trust in the Lord, in his heavenly Father, and who he was, and he believed it. And he could walk on water. He was never in a rush, ever. We're going to look at a story here, if you want to open up your Bibles with me, to John chapter 11. We're going to look at a story of Jesus and Lazarus, and many of you know this story, but I want to just point out a few things in the story. We won't read through the whole thing. But how many of you know that we live in a fast-paced world? Come on, guys. We live in a fast-paced world. In fact, we are programmed we are programmed to expect everything to happen right when we want it. Like, I don't know what's going on with, like, the 5G tower or moving to LTE, but if my Safari or Google doesn't refresh and load the page, I mean instantaneously upon clicking on it, I am hot bothered. Right? How many of you else are with me? You're like, refresh, refresh, refresh. Close the app, reopen the app, go, 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 go. It's like we are programmed to immediately get the answer that we need right away. And if we don't, we're like frustrated. Have you ever seen, you know, we have trains in Erie. You ever watch people as they wait for a train? Oh, so angry. So, I mean, they put Milfair there so you get over the train. Like, why didn't when you go on Milfair if it's going to make you so angry? Like, go over the bridge, right? But they sit at the train, and you just see, you see them getting more angry and angry, and they're looking at their phone, and they're just tense, and then the train goes, and then the, the arm doesn't go back up because there's another train coming the other way. And, oh, they're slamming on this. This is me, too, right? I'm not judging anybody. You're, like, slamming on the steering wheel. Like, I need to go, like, three minutes. The train will be done in three minutes. But we can't wait three minutes. We can't. We can't wait in three minutes. In fact, I play a game at the grocery store. I time myself sometimes to see how fast I can get in and I can get out of the grocery store. How many of you have done this? Come on, let's be real, right? How many of you have done this? Like, I'm talking like, watch how fast I'm going to get through this grocery store. And what happens when one person gets in your way or you get to the cashier who is as slow as the sermon is supposed to be going, you're like, oh my gosh, put 
my fruit in the bag and check me out, right? But this is how we live. We've been programmed. No matter what we do or where we go for instant, microwave, fast food, all the things, I don't need to list it. It's funny, but it's not. We're like stressed out all the time because we're trying to move at a pace that is too fast. God God did not intend for us to move this fast. And we look at Jesus' life, he did not move this fast. I know Pastor Andy did a message a couple weeks back about the three-mile-an-hour Jesus, the three-mile-an-hour God. That's about as fast as you can walk. And if we would begin to look at our lives and reflect on our lives, and I'm going to talk about some practical things we can do here at the end, on how do we slow our lives down? How do we slow our lives down? John chapter 11. Look, there's so much in the story. We're going to start in verse 1. There's so much in this story, but we're just going to hit a couple things on it. We're going to skip around. And I want to get to some real practical things for us, what I think are important. It says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was that Mary, so they're pointing out who this Mary was, that anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters went to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. How many of you had an urgent, something urgent happen in your life? And there are, guys, we all have these things, almost weekly sometimes. But there's events that happen in our life that some, something of urgency comes up. An urgent situation, an urgent circumstance, a sickness, a this or that, whatever it is. The kid, you know, your toddler rolls down the steps. Okay, banging their head on every step as they come down, right? Life. Life happens. This is an urgent issue. Verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. What is the first thing that Jesus does when an urgent situation happens? He declares what the situation, how it will end. How many of us declare how the situation will end when a situation comes up? Yeah, many of us do, and we've been trained. And if you don't, I would encourage you to begin to train yourself to say, you know what, here's a situation. Before I panic, before I run, before I Google, what do I do with a toddler who rolled down the steps and hit their head on every other one? Because the answer you get from that is going to be probably run to the doctor, go to the ER, and then maybe the Lord says do that, that's fine. But Jesus' first response in an urgent situation was not to panic, not to run, not to move quickly, not to run to the problem. He didn't even run to the problem. He declared that this situation and how it's going to end. He declares it. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and and her sister, which was Mary, and Lazarus. So it's like the scriptures are pointing out, it's not like he's super calm because he doesn't care. Like, you know, if you have an urgent situation come up and maybe you really don't care about the situation or the person, you're just like, eh, eh, I'll pray about it, right? Just as a side note, if you say I'll pray about it, I highly suggest you literally stop and then just pray about it. Because how many times I've said I'd pray for somebody and then forgot to put it on some list somewhere and then didn't pray. Right? This is reality. We get busy 
After this message, you'll all be living a much slower life, and you'll all be very happy and joyful in everything that you do. But we do need to pray, you know, more often, obviously, when something comes up. But the point of this scripture in verse 5 is that Jesus loved Martha. So what the, the word is telling us here is that not only did he not panic, not only did he declare how this was going to end, I just want you to know that he loves Lazarus and Martha and Mary, the whole crew. Verse 6, and so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was. You're like, wait a second, what? Are you? So there's a problem. Jesus knows about it. Not only does he not panic, not only does he declare how it's going to end, he actually waits for two more days before doing anything. You're like, wait a second, can I actually live my life like that? Am I trusting God enough in my life that when a situation happens that I don't have to panic and I don't have to move quickly or run fast, but I can take a breath and I can stop and I can move at a pace that allows God to be able to move in the situation? I think sometimes, not all the time, I think sometimes we move so fast, we get way in front of what God is trying to go do. And we're 10 steps down the road on solving the problem our own ways, and God was trying to tell you back on step two, that's not the way I want you to solve this problem. But we're moving too quickly. Verse 7. Then after he heard this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. So he intentionally waits longer. Now, there are a bunch of reasons why in Scripture, why I believe this was in there, why he waited longer. Number one, he knew Lazarus was going to be okay there's some foreshadowing going on here because of the Jewish custom about leaving someone in the grave for a couple days and then he wanted to see that resurrection, that healing power. Because remember, he said, I want this to show that I, God sent me the reason why. So there was some of that going on as well, that people would believe that God sent Jesus. But really, if you look, Jesus was not in a rush. He trusted his heavenly father. He knew the outcome of the situation. He declared it. And then he moved at a regular pace to go make it happen. It says in verse 8, The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going to go there again? So the, the, the disciples are concerned that the route they need to go back there to, that there's going to be some danger. And Jesus answers and says this in verse 9, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, does he not stumble? If he walks in the day, does he not stumble because he sees the light of this world? But, verse 10, if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And again, this verse has a lot of meanings to it, and there's so much we can look at it. But here, one, Jesus uses the word walk, again. But here's what I believe he's also saying, is too often... When we are not in God's time frame, in God's timeline, in walking in hand in hand with him at the pace he wants us to go, we're actually walking in the dark. Because if you're walking too far in front and you're going too fast, you begin walking without him in the situation. Now, he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. But what Jesus is trying to tell us here is, hey, can we move at a pace where you allow me and trust in me to be able to do this with you? And not do it alone. Verse 11 says, And these things he said, 
And after he said that to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. So again, he declares. Skip down to verse 38. Let's look at the rest of the story. What actually happens? There's a bunch of stuff in between 11 and verse 38, but we'll pick back up. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, again, he's showing that he cares about the situation, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone laid against it. Jesus said, take the stone away. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench. It's got to be awful by now. You waited forever. What took you so long? How many of you in our lives, when we face a circumstance in our situation, we start asking God, you do one of these. <laughs> what, what? What is going on? What's taking you so long to work? And many times I believe he's telling us it's because we're moving out too far in front of what he wants to go do. Sometimes there's work he wants to go do in us and through us in a situation. You remember the goal for, that Jesus has for us, the goal is whole. And sometimes for the goal to be whole, there's levels and layers that have to get peeled back. Which means sometimes you cannot walk and get through a situation as fast as you wish. You can't get through a life circumstance and a situation just immediately. Because there's work God wants to do in your life right in the midst of that circumstance. And I believe there's many times why we see, well, why hasn't God supernaturally healed me instantaneously? That's what the word says. And my first response is always, what else does God want you to do that you're not doing? Is he telling you to do something different in your life? Because if he just goes and heals you from something, and you continue walking in a way that he doesn't want you to walk in, what's the point of the healing? Except for temporary relief from something. There are so many things that God wants to do that the goal for us is whole. And we don't always get to instantly hit the microwave or step on the gas pedal or reload the page immediately in our lives so that all of our problems just happen to go away right away. He delayed two days. But remember what he did in the beginning. He declared as the situation and how it was going to end. So we must put our trust and our faith in that. Verse 40. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe... If you would believe, do you believe this morning? Do you believe this morning that he is for you, that he is with you? Do you trust him enough to slow down your pace? Do you trust him enough to not try to make everything happen on your own? If you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Verse 41, and when they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said to the Father, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He declared it, and then he looked up to his Father. Not in a rush, not in a panic, not moving too quickly. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. If we believe and we thank him because we know he has heard us, Verse 42, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by this said, that they may believe that you sent me. And now he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
And he who had died came out bound hand and foot in grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. How many of you know Jesus always shows up? Not always in our timing, but we have to remember that Jesus is not in a rush. He doesn't live at the pace in which we live. So I believe, church, we need to move slower and trust God. I have a definition up here. It says, trust, put that up, we can read it. Trust that God is moving out in front of us and taking care of things that only he can take care of. When I believe we move too fast in our life, when we try to get things done on our own accord, on our own strength, we are moving out in front of God. And we are trying to do it on our own, and I believe we get frustrated. I have so many issues in my life that I've gotten frustrated with because I'm trying to move too quick in my life. So here's a question we have to ask ourselves. Why are we moving so fast? Well, seriously, I'm asking you. Think about it for a minute. Why are you moving so fast? Why are we trying to do so much? Who's putting pressure on you? Yeah. Putting pressure on ourselves. Every time I feel that pressure, I ask the Lord, Lord, what's going on? You know what he tells me? He says, I'm not putting any pressure on you. So much of this pressure and this fast pace is moving is self-imposed. It's self-imposed. We think that we have to be more productive, move quicker, get more done, get through more emails, study for the test faster than anyone has ever studied. Remember this, do this, go quicker, move quick. The apps that we have, oh, we have so many apps that make our life more productive. Why? So we can move slower? Heck no. So we can move faster. And it's just this, this thing, this self-fulfilling thing that we get a productive app that's supposed to make our life easier and all we do is fill the time with trying to be more productive and go faster. And we get in this terrible cycle in our lives of moving too quickly. Why are we moving so fast? Dopamine addiction? Probably. It's part of it. Are we avoiding something? Mm. Some of us are moving so fast because we want to avoid some difficult things in our life. When a marriage is struggling, you just go and do and move and quick and work longer and do more work and get in the housework and get outside and mow the grass and avoid your spouse. Why are you doing so much? Because you want to avoid a problem. Come on. That's real. Why are we moving so fast? God's not putting pressure on us. And I believe when we are moving so fast, trying to do so much, I believe it's prideful. Oh, are we ever going to get through spiritual disciplines of abstinence? Every week you say things that are difficult. They're for, difficult for me. Why is it prideful? Because we think we can do something on our own and don't need God's help with it. And we can't. We just get frustrated when we're trying to do it. Guess what? Last time I looked, Jesus is going to come back in his time, not in ours. So what's the rush? What's the rush? Where are we going so fast? Why so much road rage? Why so much? Because the world is moving so fast. Church, we don't have to participate in that. Do you know that? We don't have to. Jesus didn't do it. 
And if Jesus didn't do it, guess what? We shouldn't do it. If we want to model our lives as disciples after Jesus and we look at his life and we see the pace in which he operated, church, I believe we need to operate at that same pace. Yeah, but I'm a type A personality and I move real quick. I'm with you. I have got to slow down. Okay, Pastor Jason, how on earth are we going to do that? Okay, so here's some practical things I believe we can do to slow down. Uh, I did mention a book last week. I don't really ever mention books, but The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer is a fantastic book. Really helped me and really helped our family uh, in this situation. But here's some practical things that I am doing And I've categorized them kind of in three categories, and I think you can pick some things out in these categories to help you in your life as well. Might not be the same things I've picked, but here's the first one. Number one, don't overschedule yourself. You're like, yeah, but I'm 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 busy. (laughs) I know. Every person you ask says I'm busy. We have to set what we call boundaries in our life. Do you know there's a two-letter word? That is one of the most powerful, impactful words you can ever say out of your mouth. Are you ready for it? Oh, you know it. No. Will you just come over and help this with this with that with this with that? Well, you know what? It's going to be really difficult on my schedule. And if I can just plan it, and if I don't get that train, and if I use Milfair, I can go over and then use the roundabout, which is glorious. I never have to wait at a stop sign again. And if I do that and I drive this way, and if I don't go the speed limit, but if I can just go 45, even in the 25 zone, I think I can come over and help you today by 4 o'clock. You know what your answer should have been? No. We are overscheduling ourselves and in our lives we're putting so much in this little bit of time that we have called a day and we wonder why at the end of the day we're like, right? My bed, Netflix. My bed and Netflix. Amazon Prime, whatever your choice is. Do you know in Europe it's like they don't even have couches or even like TVs in their living room because they don't live like this. Guess what? They're healthier than we are. But one of the reasons why they're healthy, not to mention the food and organic eating, and we'll get into all that some other time, that's not for this message. The reason why Europeans, because they don't move at the same pace as we do. I've been there. I've seen them. I've watched them. It's painful. For an American, it's painful. Siesta. Oh my gosh, how long in the middle of the day do you want me to slow down? Gosh, it's like hours in the middle of the day. But at the end of the day, they seem refreshed, energized, and they're not crashing in their bed watching Prime Video for seven hours. Like a zombie on the blue screen. But this is the, not, I'm not saying we all do this, but I'm saying I've had seasons of life when I do this too. Because we, we don't set boundaries. We don't say no. We allow, you know you, know you have more control over, over your life than you realize you do? Come on. Well, I work and I have kids and I have, yeah, yeah, okay. Do you know you have more control over life than you think you do? And we have to learn to set boundaries, to not overschedule ourselves, to be able to say no. Here's a practice I want you to try this week actually stop at a stop sign. You're all going to hate me this week. Man, Pastor Jason says I need to slow down. What if you drove the speed limit, oh, Lord, help us, 
Don't go, don't go under the speed limit because everyone will just be mad at you, okay? Don't go under the speed limit. But what if you drove the speed limit and you literally stopped at a stop sign? As you're supposed to in the manual. Does anybody even remember what the manual says? Come to a stop. One, two, three, and move forward. I'm serious. I want you to do that this week. And when you do it, I want you to just say a little prayer. Lord, thank you that you are with me. And I'm going to move at a pace that's with you this week. Imagine if you just, just try it. Just as a, something to remember during the week, a practical thing that you can go do. Now, I have to, I'm going to go do this with you. Good news, I'm going to be in Rochester uh, for a couple days, so none of you are going to see me blowing through stop signs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But if we could actually just begin to slow, like actually slow ourselves down and not overschedule ourselves, leave a little early to get where you need to go so that you can actually drive the speed limit, and the one who's driving below the speed limit doesn't make you want to have road rage. Because i got an extra few minutes, okay? So don't overschedule yourself. Schedule time in your life for silence and solitude, which is what we talked about last week. Put it in your schedule. Put it in there. That should be the first thing you schedule. Silence and solitude with the Lord. Schedule that first and schedule everything else around it. The second thing we can do, here we go, disconnect technology. What? Are we even living in America? Who is talking to me? You're asking me to drive the speed limit and disconnect from my technology and stop at a stop sign? But what if simple steps you can take? You know that your phone can put on do not disturb? You know you can use that? You know it's okay not to respond to a text in three seconds? That person will survive without getting your response. And I've noticed, like, you know, what used to be email is now text. People will send me, like, a six-page text, which was really should have been set for an email that I could have checked later, but no, it's a whole text. Now what am I supposed to do? I can't unread it. Now I've read it. Now I'm trying to pin it to the top of my messages so that somehow I remember. But what if we just put do not disturb on our phone? And when we were ready to look at our phone, we allowed it to enter into our life. I'm serious. I've been working on this. It's hard. This is not an easy thing to do. I get you. People got work and you got to answer texts if the person who works for you is asking a question or whatever. I'm not saying it. But I'm saying in general, you have more control over allowing your phone to dictate your life than you realize you do. And we get caught in this trap where we have to respond and do immediately upon getting this stuff. But what actually if we disconnected a little bit? What if we put limits on some of the screen time what we have? What if we put that do not disturb on? Where's Grace? Grace and I have been talking about making our phones dumb phones. Yeah, a dumb phone. Opposite of smartphone. I'm sure you all picked that up. But what if we had a phone that wasn't so technologi technologically advanced that solved all of our needs and problems and really became our companion in life? What if we disconnected a little bit? What if we turned social media off for a little bit? What if we just turned it off for a little bit? Imagine the, the pace in which you could operate and move in. What if you schedule times to look at your emails? Not while in line waiting for that super slow bagger 
at Wegmans that we talked about earlier. Because what do you do if you're in Wegmans and you're waiting? Ah, it's right here. Let me just check my email real quick. See, oh, now you're stuck in an issue. Now you got a problem. Now you're half responding and you're trying to look and type while you're walking forward. And now, you know, like, all of a sudden you're trying to do 100 things at the same time. All because you couldn't wait for a second. Just breathe. Pray for the person bagging really slow. What if you did that? What if we did that? What if we just changed how fast we were moving? Okay, and the last one, actually move slower. You're like, what? What if we actually moved slower? What if, and as some of you, this works for you already because you're just a, more of a slow-moving person, that's fine, but for me, for me, and the intensity that I live with on a day-to-day -day basis, you can ask my children, I mean, I literally walk through the house like there's a fire on the other side of the house. Why am I moving that fast? I don't even know. I don't even know where I'm going or why I'm trying to get there so fast. But I move with such intensity. And what happens when I move with that intensity? One of my younger children will try to say something to me. And they'll try to have a moment with me. And they'll try to tell dad something important. And do you know what I do? I blast right past them. It's like they aren't even talking. I'm moving so fast that I'm missing the very people that God has placed right in front of me. My children, my spouse, my coworkers. When was the last time you had a conversation with someone and you actually stopped and you turned and looked at them and looked them in the eyes? It's a little bit uncomfortable. One, because people aren't used to doing it. And two, people aren't used to you doing it back to them. It's like, what happened to being able to stop and look at somebody and actually have a conversation with somebody? And I have this terrible habit in my house. So I'm just like full disclosure. I have this terrible habit in my house. When a kid asks me a question and I'm moving in which the speed I've already talked about, you know what I say to them? Walk with me and talk with me. I'm like, that's biblical, man, right? It says, well, as you go along the way, train up your children. That's not what they're talking about. I'm walking so fast. I got a little kid behind me trying to tell me something about an issue with Legos or Playmobil or a fight that they had or they can't find their swimsuit or whatever it is. I'm just like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm, okay, yep. Uh, I don't know, go ask your mother. Guys, and my precious children, are they're trying to ask their father something. Imagine if God acted that way to us. You know, you'd be like, yeah, excuse me, I'm uh, the God of the universe. I'm a little busy right here for your little problem, okay? Working on Jesus' return, working all the things out, don't really have time to deal with your gallbladder pain right now, okay? But God doesn't act that way to us. He's always there for us. And when we're moving too fast in our life, we are blasting by the people that we love and care about and not giving them the time and the focused attention that they deserve. And I'll tell you what, if we begin to do, I've been doing, I've been trying to do these things, and I'm working on these things. Do you know you have more joy at the end of the day? I've legit had more joy, legit, at the, I said it twice, more joy at the end of the day by trying to move at a pace at slowing myself down. Gracie, you want to come up here? <clears throat> 
So guys, I know this, is, this isn't easy. Oh, I do have one more. Sorry, I actually got one more. Grace, as you come up. I had a fourth one. Just focus on being in the present. Just focus on it. They all kind of lead to that, whether you're at the stop sign, whether you take, turn your phone off, put it on do not disturb, or you're actually moving slower. This is really the key, is focus on being in the present. It's a couple different words, meanings of present, isn't there? Present meaning the time that you're in, but it's also a gift. The present time that you're in is a gift. Today is a gift. You're not promised tomorrow. Today is a gift. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. We cast our cares on him because he loves us and he cares for us. But today is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. How can we rejoice and be glad in the day that he has made but if we are not present in it. So can we focus, church, in our lives to be present in the day? Present when we're on vacation or at the dinner table or in our homes or talking with a coworker, or at school, wherever we're at. Church, can we stop allowing the world and technology to dictate the pace in which we operate? Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, we just thank you that you love us, you care for us. Lord, that you show us these disciplines in your word that Jesus modeled for us. Lord, that you would strengthen us to move at a pace that is with you. Lord, that we would take time to pause each day, to see you in the situation, to be still and know that you are God. Lord, that that we would walk and be at this three-mile-an-hour pace. That when we do that, that we're able to make the turn when we need to make the turn. And when there is impact with something in front of us, the damage is not all that great because we're moving at your speed and not ours. So, Lord, I ask that you would strengthen us this week, this month, this year on all of these disciplines, but, Lord, that we would begin to take ownership and control back over our lives, that we would set the boundaries, that we would learn to use the word no and to prioritize the things in our life that you've asked us to prioritize. And, Father, I have to believe that when we do that, as you've been doing in my life, that we will see more joy. We will see more joy. We will recognize and live out the scripture that this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, we know that there are trials and tribulations in this world, but we take heart because you have overcome them all. So we put our trust in you, Lord. We will trust in you and we will move at the pace you've called us to move at in your precious name. With everyone's eyes still closed and head bowed, if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus 
your Lord and Savior. If you've never invited him into your life, if you've never made that decision before, you say, you know what, today, Pastor Jason, I've been trying to do this life on my own over and over and over, and I just can't do it anymore. And I need this Jesus. And his commitment to you is that he will be there with you. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Okay, you guys can look up here. We have some prayer teams that will be up front. They'll be able to pray with you after church here. Any need that you have, if it's healing or if it's a relationship or a trip coming up or circumstance, whatever it is, these teams will be able to pray with you. But I want to send you out with this benediction. So just receive this this morning. May you grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him, church, to Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed. We love you guys.